Excited today, jumping into the end of this series, Mythbusters. We looked at a lot of uh, uh, myths that were out there, and we tried to debunk them. Today's one is probably uh, on some po- at some point in your life, um, you've been a- had to address this myth, whether or not you believe it to be true, whether or not you live it out as to be true, or whether or not you've met someone who thinks this is true. And so we're going to try to debunk this myth today. My faith is a private matter. Is our faith a private matter? We've all had people, or maybe you, you are that person today. You walked in and said, you know what? My faith is a private matter. I don't wear my faith out on my sleeve. I know that I'm a Christ follower, and that's all that matters. Jesus knows, and I know, and I'm good to go. Have you ever heard someone tell you that? Have you ever had someone walk up to you and say, my faith, and you ask, hey, where do you stand on the Jesus uh, relationship? Who do, who do you believe that he is? Well, so I'll let you know, my faith is a private matter. Is it possible? Is it possible to be a Christ follower, sold out Christ follower, and keep your faith a private issue? Is it possible to say, I love Jesus Christ, and I'll never open my mouth and share with people? Is it possible to be in a relationship, dating someone who isn't a Christ follower, and say, my faith is a private issue, and not tell them that? Is it possible, or should you be in that kind of relationship? Does it line up with the Word of God when you say, my faith is a private issue? When a person says this, they are, what are they really saying about their faith? If someone says that to you, I just want to let you know, before we go any farther, before you ask, my faith is a private issue. For that matter, think about the word private, how often it appears in our world. When you think of the word private club, what comes to mind? Private club. What are some thoughts? What are some images? What do you see? What do you see in a private club? Or how about private investigator? What comes to mind when you hear private investigator? What are the images? What are the thoughts? What are the things that run through your mind? Or how about a private line? It's like you can only be reached at this private line. Or how about a private entrance? To a building, to a business, to the workplace, to your home. Private entrance. Picture, who walks there? And if you do walk there and you don't have access there, should you be there? Or how about private party? Or how about, how about this one? When you, when you see this hanging in the woods on someone's property, what do you think? Private property. What do you think? Or when you see that on a fence, and last night I was in the woods, it was youth season, uh, deer season, so I took Isaiah out, and along the way when we were going there, there were some signs that said private property. The word private property pushes you away. It's like, don't go there. And if you go there, you're in trouble. It's as if this person is saying, hey, I told you I'm not going there. So is this the sign that we should carry and wear as Christ followers? Private property, stay away. It connotes, don't get near me. Because if you get near me, I'm going to push you away. In fact, if you get near me, it could be dangerous. You're in trouble. So is this the image that Christ followers should, should exude in their lives? First, let me just say, say, imagine a world where everyone believed this to be true. Where everyone said, well, our faith should just be a private issue, and I'm just that kind of man, I'm kind of quiet about my faith, and, or I'm that kind of woman, and, and you know, I know where I stand, but I just, I'm not one of those people who speak out, and so my faith is a private matter, and I want you to know that. 
Just imagine a, a world where everyone took that stand. There would be no reason to witness because it would mean each person was for himself. Like, I'm not talking to you and you're not talking to me and don't talk to me. So it's just between me and God. Or that would, that would mean there would be zero accountability for the way you lived your life. Imagine you living without any accountability. Imagine no one ever, a friend coming into you or, or, or a, a sister or brother, or mom or dad or a colleague or a, a college classmate or whomever it is, never getting in your face and say in love and say, hey, man, I'm noticing there's something. This just doesn't measure up and, and we, we got to talk about it. Imagine not having any accountability. Imagine a child being raised in a family with no accountability. Woo, would that be fun, huh? Imagine that. I mean, can you just picture what might, t- might happen with no accountability? Or imagine you would never have to defend your faith since it was a private issue. Is that what God has called us to be and how to live? Has he called us to live lives of privacy? Would that matter at all as Christians if this was how we lived? I say it would matter a lot. And so today we're going to go on this journey and we're going to look at this myth and we're going to see how it unfolds and, and what the word of God says. And when we get to the end of this, the, this, this message today, we give you a chance to respond to it. I want you to grab your Bibles first and turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10 and verses 14 to 15. If you need a Bible and you came today without one, hold your hand up. Our ushers will put one in your hand. And if you don't have a Bible, take this Bible home with you. If not, leave it on your seat on the way out. But turn to Romans chapter 10. I want you to look at verses 14 and 15 of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. When you find that, stand up with me. We're going to read it out loud together. Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. Romans 10, 14 and 15. Let's, let's read this together. Ready, read. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You may have a seat. It's obvious that we're supposed to open our mouths. Our faith has to be shared in order For people to be saved. Someone had to share with you. Someone had to tell you. Someone had to respond to you. And so even Paul himself says through the inspired by the Holy Spirit. That we have to share. In order for people to hear. And how can they know unless someone talks. And how can they they know the message unless someone is sent. And so if we all took this private thing too far. Then no one would hear. And no one would hear. And no one would be saved. And so it would be. We would remain where we're at right now. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 and 20 gives us an example. It says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teach, teach them to do all things that I've and he taught you to do. And, and, and then it says at the end, that, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. There's a sentence Jesus said, we're supposed to go. We're supposed to tell. Now imagine taking the opposite of private. Think of the word public. Think how the word public appears in our lives. When you see and hear the word or see a sign, it says open to public. What do you think about when you see that sign? Wow, that's open to public. That means you can go there. Or how about when you see a golf course, it says public course. Public course as opposed to a private course. It means you are welcome to go and play there. 
Or how about the word public information? When you hear that, what comes to mind? Well, that's public information. Public information means that everyone should know this and it's, it's okay to share that. Or how about in the public eye? When you hear someone say, well, make sure you do that in the public eye. What comes to mind? It's this person living out. So when I think of the word public, and when I think of public course and public information, I see just the opposite of private. I see this, this phrase that says, come on in. We're open for business. This is instead of stay away. It's this invite. Come here. Come near me. Let's get to know each other. Let's, let's share life together. But I have to ask you this question. Which sign do you wear? Better yet, what sign would people say you wear? I'm always intrigued when I hear people talking about, and they say, you know what? I've been a Christ follower for, since I was been a kid. And, and, and so this picture, but yet they keep it as a private matter. Now imagine if, if we just decided to live in private all the time. I mean, this is kind of the picture I have. It's like, I've known Jesus Christ for 24 and a half years. Praise God. And you would dare not lift all your fingers because you don't want to get too celebrated here. Just praise God. I mean, this is like, you see this all the time. You hear, hear these guys and gals say, you know, my faith is a private issue and it's been that way since I received Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Can you tell the difference? I mean, it's just, faith should never be a private issue. So in saying that your faith is a private matter, you are saying, stay away from me. Stay back, stay away. This is private property. This is good news, but you're not getting any of it. Is that the way we're supposed to live as Christ followers? Are we supposed to, to put our no trespassing signs up in our lives? Or are we supposed to live out our faith in front of people? Matthew 28 encourages us to go and share. Some of you live your lives as if you, you are private property. Some of you have, have lived your life for, for, for your entire life that way. Let me just ask a personal question. You don't have to raise your hand because the spirit can convict. Who is the last person this week that you openly shared the good news of Jesus Christ with? Who's the last person you shared the good news of Jesus Christ with? Where you actually said, this is the gospel. This is what Jesus has done in my life. He has radically changed my life. I want you to have what I have. Who is the last? How far back do you have to go until the last person you shared with? The answer to that question. The answer to that question often determines whether you live your faith as a private matter or it's open to public. So how far back, how long back, how far do you have to go back until you had, where you opened your mouth and said, you know what? I want you to know, I can't go another night. I can't go another day. This good news of Jesus Christ inside of me, and I just got to tell you. Is that the way you live your life? Or it's like, well, I could never do that. I couldn't share. I'm afraid what the response would be. Truth be known, many of you live as though your faith should be a private matter when you do not open your mouth and share the good news of Jesus Christ. I also know this to be true. When you begin to understand how radically you've been changed and how this richness of this relationship just, just transforms you and the peace and the hope that you had when you went to sleep last night and awoke this morning and walked in here, when you realize that, man, it's good to be a Christ follower, they can't shut you up. Yet when you don't know that to be true, it's just like, yeah, praise God, I raised my hand, got saved in Bible school. Like, what was that, 1974? 
Yeah, I even got a little red Bible. Praise God, I'm a Christian. Come on in. You got to ask the question. If there's no life change in your life, then maybe there's no heart change in your heart. When I hear someone tell me that their faith is a private matter, I immediately know the condition of their heart. They're covering something up. I have sat with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And I've heard them say that. Guys love saying that. Well, I just want to let you know my faith is a private matter. And I'm not as, I'm not as open about it as you are, Jim. And I say, dude, why not? You're covering up sin, aren't you? And then they look at you. See, we're afraid. We're afraid to share. And when you're afraid to share, something inside of you is keeping you. It's either you're letting the enemy keep you in fear or you're covering up something. So I ask you, don't. Do you want to be a person who's known as a private person who's private property, no trespassing? A lot of times people say that, that when I ask them that question, well, Jim, just my personality is a lot different than yours. Just, you know, but, you know, I, I love Jesus just as much as you do. And, you know, rightly so, they probably could. Then I ask this question, if you love Jesus that much, don't you want to tell someone about Jesus? Don't wait until they know the truth. A life of secrecy is usually a dark heart. Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9 is just this beautiful picture. And I want you to turn back to Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9. Please turn there with me. Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9. Please, please turn there. This is a, this is a verse that kind of just captures what I'm trying to say this morning. Look at Jeremiah 20 and verse 9. Jeremiah said it well, and I'll just repeat his words. Because the Jeremiah around here doesn't always say it well, but this Jeremiah says it well. (laughs) Sorry, Jeremiah. (laughs) No, I'm not. That was fun. (laughs) Jeremiah 20, verse 9, says this. Jeremiah says this. But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a what? What's your Bible say? Fire. A fire shut up in my what? Bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I what? Cannot. It's this picture of this person that says, man, I've just been radically changed. And I just can't hold it any longer. And you just happen to be the person in my path. And I've got to tell you about Jesus. That's the picture of someone who is, who, who's walking with Christ, who's filled with the Spirit. Says, I cannot not tell people about Jesus. It's kind of this picture, you know, it's like trying to keep a beach ball underwater. Have you ever tried to take a real large beach ball in a pool and try to hold it underwater? It's like, man, you find yourself getting pushed up and you lay on top of it. Have you ever tried to push it down and try to keep it underwater for a long period of time? And you find yourself kind of moving it around because it just wants to come to the top. It's hard to keep it under for long. And as soon as you let go, if you go down and push harder and you let go of mirror, it comes out. It's this picture that the gospel's in us. And we, it, I'm weary from holding it in. And it's like, I can't hold it on. That's the picture that, that those who walk with Christ should, should have this beach ball gospel in them. And it's like, we can't hold it under any longer. It's just sense we got to tell people. Faith should never be a private, private issue. Good news is not meant to be bottled up. Something happens when God changes your heart. 
And you just have to tell other people about it. I mean, there are miraculous stories here in the main and the link and all across this community when Christ invaded your life and then everything changed. Listen, don't put the no trespassing sign up. People need to hear that they can have hope, that they can go to bed at night and wake up in the morning. And there's a God who will never leave them or forsake them. And it happens by you and me opening our mouths, not shutting them out. By the way, do you believe that today? Do you believe that that's true? If you believe it's true, then you will be a person who vocalizes the good news of Christ. I love that what happens, what happens when the gospel is spoken, when truth is revealed. This week I had an opportunity to share it at, at, at Grace College. It's a great opportunity. I love Grace College. I mean, it's impacted my life. And boy, they've got all my money. Um, just they have. And uh but I love Grace College, and, and, I, and I love going there and speaking to, to young adults. One of my favorite things to do is speak to, to, to young adults. And I love talking to men. And, and I had a chance to share on Thursday, and I shared with the girls at, while the guys were there. And, and I shared on Friday to the guys and, 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 and challenged guys and gals. And, and after it was all done, I had a gentleman come up to me that happened to be an employee there at Grace College. And he came up to me, and uh, he said, you know what? He said, Jim... He said, you have to help me. He says, you know, I've been married 11 years. I got a 10 year old daughter. And he says, I'm that guy that you were talking about. He said, I don't lead my family. I haven't been a, a vocal witness. And he says, I don't even know where to start. He says, but I want to start. Can you help me? It's like at that moment, is that when you say, well, my faith is a private matter. <laughs> do, you, do you stop and say, well, what would, what would happen if I just shut up and didn't say anything? It's a beautiful picture. The guy emailed me, and I'm connecting with him. And here's a guy that's hungry to grow. I mean, what would happen if we just shut people out and didn't reach out to them? Faith, secondly, is a public matter. Turn to the book of Daniel. I mean, it's a great story, too. Just, just turn ahead a few books to the book of Daniel. Some of my favorite childhood memories are, 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 is this account in Daniel chapter 3. Just turn forward to the book of Daniel. Faith should be a public matter. Everything about this account juices me up. In fact, I go to it and read it often just, just to, to, to make my faith come alive. And you cannot influence anybody unless you stand for a cause. Look at Daniel chapter 3. And look, just read through here with me. Look, look at verses 1 through 5. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and, and 9 feet wide. And set it up on the plain of Dur in the province of Babylon. He then summoned this, the bunch of people and all the, the officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So all the people came and they were assembled for the dedication of this image. Ninety feet tall, nine feet wide. And then it says this in verse 4. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O people, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the music, the sound of the flute, the sound of the horn, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the idol or the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And then it says this in verse 6. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. There's consequences here. So you have these, these three guys that decide not... To, to fall down and worship. Look at verse 13. As a result of that, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold you have, I've set up? Now when you hear the music, the pipes, the harps, the horn, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into what? What's it say? A blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? So it says this in 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to what? Save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand. Now, if you stopped right there and you think, sure, God can rescue us. And they're like, you know, hey, God, we're going to call out on you. And we know that you, you can rescue us. And so we're in good hands. So we're going to do what we're supposed to do. They take it a step farther. Look what it says. If we are thrown into the, the blazing fire, our God can rescue us. But verse 18. But even if he does what? Not. We want you to know, O king that we will not serve your little gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was furious. He threw them into the, the blazing furnace. And if you read the account, the fire was started and they weren't even burned up. God protected them. But they were even willing to go so far as to say, even if God himself doesn't choose to rescue us and this is how we lose our lives, then so be it. We're going to continue to make our faith public and we will not bow down to another God. Now, that just stokes my fire. I want to hang out with those guys. That's the kind of men you should run with. It's not the ones that say, private property. It's not the ones that get in dating relationships and don't share with their boyfriend or their girlfriend about Jesus. Men need to step up and say, I love Jesus Christ. I want you to love Jesus Christ. I can't imagine a life and a relationship without the both of us knowing Christ and spending eternity together. I love you too much to let you go to hell. That's what Christ followers do. So who is the last person that you shared with because you loved him so much and you didn't want to see him go to hell? I know why people want to keep their faith a private issue because there's zero accountability. I mean, even the governor or the mayor of, of, of New York, when the Twin Towers went down, did a heroic job of leading the Manhattan and the, and the New Yorkians through that time. And he, I mean, he, he, just, he, he appeared on the scene as this great leader. And even here recently, just a few months back, prior to celebrating the 10-year reunion, they went to him and they, and they began asking him questions. And, and one of the reporters said, hey, said, Mayor, um, can you tell us about your faith, how your faith walked you through this time? And he said this. By the way, I just want to let you know, my faith is a private matter. You know why his faith was a private matter? Because he had a living girlfriend. Because somehow it didn't match up. It's real easy to make your faith a private matter and have zero accountability, especially when you're hiding something. Something happens when you, God makes your heart new. And something should happen to our lives. Imagine not having any accountability. Imagine having a checkbook that you continue to write checks to that you never went back and, and did accounting and saying, does that reconcile up? Imagine just writing, 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 taking, taking, taking. Imagine the debt that would pile up. Imagine the hole that you would be in. It's the same in our lives. We're designed for community. If we don't have any accountability, accountability is this. Having someone who can, has ability to count your life. I saw you do this. I saw you do that. 
You're not supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. It's having a friend in love saying, you know what? We got to work this out. We got to make a difference. If there's no accountability and you hide behind your private property, I can tell you what happened. There will be darkness and sin and you will fall away. Proverbs 28, 1 says the righteous are as bold as a lion. You see, it's not as if we want to just railroad people over with Jesus, but in, in confidence, humble confidence, we say we love you too much not to tell you about Jesus Christ. Boldness puts your faith in places where your faith is tested and you must stand up for what you believe. It's going to people and saying, you know what? I love my Savior too much for you to degrade his name the way you do. I love my Savior too much for this to go on. It has to stop. I can't live in these conditions any longer. I love you too much and my God too much. And I'm not worshiping your God. And something's got to change. Listen to me. It go, going to them in tenderness and kindness and humility and saying, please listen to me. Something has to change here. It's a confidence that, quite frankly, you are, you are concerned about, not concerned about what people will say about you. You're more concerned with what he says about you. Imagine Jesus, seriously. Imagine us opening up the Gospels, and this was the story of Jesus. We went to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all we heard about was this. Jesus stood at the end of the city. Can you picture Jesus doing that? Like this. The Son of God, sharing his faith. My faith is a private matter. I said it once, I said it again. Now you go and make your faith a private matter. Where would we be today? I'd tell you where we'd be. We'd all be going to hell. Because no one would share. No one would tell the good news of Christ. We're supposed to have the open sign. Come on in. Jesus never wanted his faith to be a private issue, nor does he want us to leave our faith. It's just enough of this nonsense, by the way, for those of us who like to hide behind this. No Christ follower will ever want to keep this life-saving message private unless he's living in the depths of sin or he might not be saved. Enough of this nonsense that says that, that if I live out my faith in front of someone, like if I rake my leaves really nice every day, every year, and they keep looking and they look out the window, my neighbors, wow, he really rakes his leaves really good. And he makes the best fire with his leaves. I'm running to Jesus. Listen, I mean, you're supposed to live out your faith. Sure. Do acts of kindness. But listen, raking your leaves and, and, and only plowing their driveway and only doing acts of kindness without speaking the gospel will not allow a person to understand who Christ is. Someone must go and tell, Romans said. Someone must share. Someone must speak. James tells us that faith without works is just flat out dead. In the same way, in James 2.17, it says, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Have you ever tried to go to a funeral service and say, speak to this guy? Come on, speak. Speak. Have you ever taken a dead battery that's been corroded and sticking it in a gadget and say, run, gadget, run? That's what faith looks like. Faith that's not accompanied with action is dead. It's worthless, the Bible says. It's, it's private property. It's no trespassing. It is of no value to anyone else. You are as good as dead when you do not make your faith public, James says. The primary reason that people don't want to make their faith public is they're afraid of conflict. Well, that might mean that, that, that they might not like me anymore. And that might mean I never have a chance to talk again. So you never talk. And so they'll think, well, if you're never going to talk, why, why worry about talking again? 
how will never talking to them make this any better if you're never going to talk anyhow? Well, I just hope one day they come and then, listen, we got to tell people about Jesus in love and tenderly and say, I can't go any longer. Please, Dad, listen to me. It might mean writing a note. It might mean sending a, a message on Facebook. It might mean, but someone has to tell them so that they can see the gospel and hear it. And the primary reasons is because most of us don't want conflict. When I hear someone say, I don't, want, don't ever wear my faith on my sleeve, I know there is a man who is saying, don't ask me the hard questions about my life. Public faith is necessary. God doesn't want us to live life alone. He wants us to live in community. He has commissioned us to share the good news. We are made for community. God does not want us to live life alone. Look at all the one another's in the New Testament. Look how one man sharpens another man. Look how two are better than one. Look what happens when two gather to pray. God is present. He wants life done in community. He doesn't want us to live lives with our sunglasses on, putting out our post-it signs and saying, stay away. There are two things that you can't do alone. One is you can't be a Christian. And the other one is you can't be married and do it alone. Imagine a marriage where there were private bedrooms for each person, private entrances that they entered in, private bank accounts. Imagine having a private investigator. What do all those things connote? An unhealthy relationship. It's the same with Christ. We can't be private. It has to be public. That's healthy. We're not supposed to do life alone. Jesus takes it one step farther Jesus says this, I don't. Look at Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 and verse 38. Please turn there with me. Mark chapter 8 and verse 38. Jesus calls us out this morning. He says, throw down your private property signs. Get rid of your no trespassing. Because here's what I know to be true. Look at Mark chapter 8 and verse 38. If anyone is ashamed of me, Mark 8, 38, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be what of him? Chained of him when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels. Church, that's pretty strong. Here's what that means. Jesus is saying this. If you are ashamed to live your faith out in front of other people, in front of your children, fathers, for crying out loud in this room, dads, husbands, we're supposed to be the gatekeepers. We're supposed to be the spiritual leaders. We're the head of the family. We're the ones who are supposed to people look at and, and, and we stand and protect. We're supposed to live our faith out. We're supposed to be praying with our wives and with our children. We're supposed to be leading the way and, and modeling evangelism. We're supposed to be leading the way and serving. We're supposed to be leading the way and telling people that we're followers of Christ. They get their model through us. And Jesus says, if we're shamed or if you're shamed, any of us is shamed, then when the son of man comes, he's going to look out and he's going to look for all those people who decided to make their faith a private issue and, and lived a life of darkness and who said, who thought they were followers. And he's going to look at me, he says, he's going to say, I'm ashamed of you. So if Christ came today, what sign would he find you carrying? Romans 1.16 says just the opposite. 
says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Wouldn't it be awesome if we all were unashamed? By the way, what's there to be ashamed of when we have a savior that gave his life for us and offer us salvation by grace through faith? We have nothing to be ashamed about. The world needs that message. The Bible tells us in the Gospels, all through the Gospels, freely we've been given or freely we receive, so freely we must give. See, all over Christianity, Satan is winning when people stay private with their faith. By the way, that just ticks me off. Maybe it doesn't tick you off, but I get ticked when I see people who call themselves Christ followers and live as if their faith is a private issue. And I just say, there's chalk another one up for the enemy, chalk another one up for the enemy, chalk another one up for the enemy. And, and often I've confronted people in love. Listen, whose side are you serving? Which God is your God? It's time for us to go public. Seriously. And come out. Everyone else is coming out of the closet. We might as well too as Christ followers. Serious. I mean, what, what do you have to lose? You also have to ask this question. If there is not a deep, compelling, compelling conviction in your heart to stand up, stand out, and stand boldly, then maybe your heart isn't God's. Today, you will witness people going public in baptism. They're going to stand up and say, you know what? Come in. I'm open. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. I want you to know that he changed my life. And if you want to know about him, here I am. And so when you witness these baptisms today, we just witnessed a whole large group in the first service that came and got baptized. And we're going to see, see another large group here. And we're going to see another large group in the third service. And, and what they're saying is, guess what? I'm a Christ follower and I'm not ashamed. Can I just ask the question out here? How many of you would boldly stand anywhere and stand up and say, I'm a Christ follower and I'm not ashamed? How many of you just live that out all the time? Praise God for that. Well, right now, I'm going to ask those that are coming to be baptized, if you just work your way right up front quickly. If you're in the link, come over. And if you're in the main, work your way right over here. And then I'm going to talk to those of you who will be observing this. Please work your way up. Pastor Rich will meet you over there, or one of the elders will meet you over there. But I want to talk to those that are gathered here today. Here's what baptism is. Please listen to me. Baptism, those in the link to baptism is a public statement of an inward decision that you made for Christ. It's saying that there was a time in my life when I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, and I turned and repented of my sin, and I followed hard after him. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is, is a public statement that you are saved. And it's saying, now I want to do the next step of obedience. And Jesus said in Scripture, he said, be saved, be baptized. So let me ask a question here today. How many of you have been obedient in Scripture? How many of you have been saved but haven't been baptized? How many of you were baptized as infants before you were saved? Listen, baptism is post-salvation. Baptism is a testimony to those that you're with by saying, I'm a Christ follower and I want you to know I stand accountable. Here I am. And when you see me in public, if you see there's something in my life that needs talked about, 
you have freedom to come. Here's what we're going to do today. You might have walked into this room. You might have walked into the link. And the spirit of God might be saying to you throughout this message and and right now that, you know what? I need to put a stake in the ground and I need to turn things around. And today I'm going public and letting everyone know that I'm a Christ follower. I am no longer going to keep my faith a private matter. You know, you know what it means? You're going to join the others like we had in the first service who left this service soaking wet in their clothes because you know what they said? We had two fathers and we had a daughter. We had a guy who came to grace. This was his very first service. He came. He was a Christ follower. Someone invited him. He came and he was sitting there and he, he said this. He said, you know what? My parents have been getting after me that I need to make my faith public and I've been hiding it. And he said, you know what? I knew when you said that, that I need to come. And he left the service in blue jeans soaking wet and he made his faith public. Well, listen, who in this room, who in the link saying, you know what? I need to make my faith public. It might mean you have to drive 10 minutes away. We, by the way, we have towels. And for that matter, so what if you get your car wet? You, someone says, why is your seat wet? It's your opportunity to say, come on in. Jesus saved my life. And I got wet today for Jesus. I'm not going to prolong this, but if you feel led today to come and be baptized and make a statement and say today from this day forward, I want people to know that I'm a Christ father. I'm just going to ask you to jump in line and I want you to meet Scott puck it there and he's going to have you fill out a slip and you can join the many others throughout this day that are going to do the same thing so listen if the spirit of god is prompting you to get baptized take off your shoes get rid of your glasses drop your wallet get in line jesus we love you god we're grateful for those who have come today and said i want to make my faith public and jesus in this room in the link could be many others who could leave the room wet because They need to make their faith public. And so, Spirit, I pray that Satan would not be able to keep them captive any longer. And I pray like Jeremiah said that there's this fire burning in my gut that I cannot get it. Let it not come out. Lord, I pray that you would move. Thanks for the public awareness of the testimonies that we're about to see, receive, and see. We celebrate that in Jesus' name. Amen.